Well, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, today, we have the opportunity of moving on to our second pillar or column. Uh, last week, Pastor Mark was sharing with us that we're going to do five sermons, uh, again, today being the second, of the important elements that we have in our life that lift us up. So for most of us here now, it probably isn't any secret that we have and further in our future now, we'll be entering deeper into a capital campaign. And I and Pastor Mark would never stand before you and say that the capital campaign isn't about talking about uh, building new facilities, about renovating current facilities. We'll never stand before you and say that it's not about having the hard conversation about raising funds and how we are going to have to stretch ourselves to be able to make this happen. At the exact same time, as important as those elements are, what is most important is the subject matter that we're going to talk about today. And that's about growing your faith. That's the pillar that we have for today. Growing your faith. Buildings don't matter. Funds don't matter if we have a group of people that aren't growing in their faith. That is the eternal payout, both for us and for others in our future or in our, our present time that we have together. That's why this uh, capital campaign came up with that topic of, of growing this legacy, of being able to share the gospel. God has already given to each and every one of you the, the perfect gift of success. We don't need to do anything with his gospel message. All we have to do is share it with others, not formulate it in any specific way. And so today we want to be able to take a look at, so what are we doing before we get to those other elements to make sure that you and I, I am definitely in this with you, are growing in our faith? How does God challenge us to be able to do that? So there's a story of some cultures of a ritual that they, they take part in. Now, this ritual involves having a young man move from boyhood being into manhood, of transitioning into an adult. So it's said that a father will take his young son, his adolescent son, as he is on this journey, take him out into the forest and set him down in the middle of the night on a tree stump. He's given very specific directions. He's not to move, he's not to go anywhere, and during this entire time, he has to wear a blindfold. He wears that blindfold all through the evening until he can feel the warmth of the sun upon his face, and then he is allowed to take off this blindfold. It's all about trusting, it's about making it through the night. And so that young man sits down there on that stump, blindfolded, and waits. You hear the sound of the wind blowing through the leaves and he thinks is that the wind or is that a snake he hears the sound of a, a branch snapping in a tree and he thinks is that just a just a bird that's there or is there a, a bear coming to get me he hears all of these different things and his mind begins to create all these different scenarios of fear until he finally makes it through the entire night feels that sun upon his face, takes his blindfold off, and realizes he wasn't out there alone during any part of the night, for his father is sitting on the tree stump 
right next to him. There is a, a fine line between our spiritual immaturity and our spiritual maturity. Whether you've been here with us at Desert Foothills from the early days and have said, I've been a member here for 25 years, or if today is your first Sunday in person or online, and you said, I've only seen your service for, for 25 minutes, this message relates to each and every one of us. Because God always wants us growing in our faith. Let me tell you, in this world, it is so easy to hear things around us, even to see things around us, and to be able to create fictitious stories in our minds of things that are going to make us prosper or succeed that really won't, things in the world that are going to let us down, of things that we are fearful of that we really shouldn't be fearful of at all. And the only way to get beyond these things is about that one path, that pillar that we talk about today, growing in our faith. I hope you heard that story that J.J. read for us, uh, the Old Testament lesson, the story of Joshua. Uh, so this is the sixth book of the Bible. It's the very beginning of that for our reading. Uh, the first five books that come before that are referred to as the books of the law, and that's mentioned in our text today too. And then the sixth book starts historical books. It's the historical account of the people of God going from point A to point B. And so today, let's just look at that again a little bit, because there's this major transition that happens, but it really is a story of God using a group of people that need to rely upon him in all things so that they too can grow in their faith. God comes to Joshua, and he says these words, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. Now, you could read this really quickly and just pass beyond it, but you need to remember where these people have been and where they're at right now. This is a group of people that have been following under the leadership of Moses for years and years and years. It's a group of people who were in bondage, in captivity for 400 years. And then Moses shows up under the calling of God. Remember, he goes to Pharaoh and he says those words, let my people go. All those 10 plagues come in. The Egyptians are so sick of it that they let the people go. The people escape. They, they want them gone so bad, they actually are giving them things as they depart, it says in Scripture. They're actually fueling them for their journey because they want them to leave so bad. Moses is the one that did this. You remember the moment that Moses is there at the Red Sea, that the Egyptians decide, you know what, we've made a bad decision. We let all the people go that do all the work. we got to get them back now or we're going to have to do the work. And so they go after them, and the people are stuck. They have all these armies behind them that they can see. They have this huge river in front of them, this gigantic sea in front of them that they can't do anything about. And Moses raises his arm under the command of God, and then that sea opens up, and they all cross. They're out in the middle of nowhere, in the desert. They have nothing to eat. Moses goes to God, and manna comes from heaven. They have nothing to drink. God tells Moses to be able to call it out from the rock, and he does, and the water comes out for the people to be able to have. Everything that they have ever needed comes from this individual in the person of Moses. 
He has always been there for them at every single turn. They can always rely upon him. But what has happened today? Something in that very first verse of the book of Joshua changes everything. Moses, my servant, is dead, God says. Have you ever been driving and you come up to a dead end? Uh, maybe your husband told you, you knew, he knew where you were going and you ended up at this dead end. Maybe uh, Siri told you you knew where you were going and still somehow you found this dead end. You thought you were on the right track. You thought you were on the right path. And all of a sudden, you got to this one place. You're just trying to get from one point to another. And all of a sudden, there's some type of holdup. When you get to a dead end, that's, that's it. That sign's actually there to, to stop you, to pause you, so you won't go any further, so you won't continue down that path, that you have to choose a different route. Today in the story of the Israelites, they have to choose a different route. They've come up to this path, and Moses is, is gone. They don't have any other choice. Joshua is the one that now has to, to lead them. This is the death that happens in their life. And there's probably a lot of deaths, maybe even just in this last year, that's happened in your life too. Maybe it was the conclusion of a job for you or for uh, your son or your daughter. It looked like it was going so good, this job, they were going to be on this trek forever. Uh, the pay was going to be great. The benefits were going to be great. And all of a sudden, they were let go. The job came to an end. Maybe it was your health. Uh, maybe you felt great. Maybe you were doing wonderful, going on this path, and all of a sudden, one day, out of nowhere, you were suffering from fill-in-the-blank, something that you just didn't see coming, and your health came to an end for a moment. Maybe it was, for some of us in here, an actual death. Maybe the death of a spouse. Maybe the death of a, a friend or a loved one. Someone that you thought was going to be around for, for years that you could spend time with or at least be able to say goodbye to, and all of a sudden it came to an end. All of those things are difficult for us in life, but our purpose does not change. Everything around us in life changes over and over and over again, and it will come to an end. Fashion will change, it will come to an end. Styles will change, they will come to an end. Even our lives will change, they will come to an end. But the promise that God gives to us never ends. It's always there for us. And God comes to be able to remind Joshua and the people of Israel and us about this today. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Remember, these words are not just for Joshua and the Israelites today. These are for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And because of that... You should be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to be able to give to them. The promised land that he's talking about. This is this physical place for the Israelites. And to be honest, this is a, a physical place for us too. That God calls you and I as people of desert foothills, as Christians across the world, to be strong to be courageous, and to be able to lead others to this promised land that God has gifted unto us. That he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. And it's a hard journey, I promise you. And that journey, even though it is difficult, it's worth it. We'll get to that in, in just a minute from now. 
But along that journey, if you're anything like the people of Israel, uh, we grumble about it, we complain about it. Think about all the things the people of Israel asked for from God. They're the ones that called out to God, please free us from slavery. And God frees them. And what do they do? They complain that he takes them out to the middle of nowhere. They don't like it. The people complain, you know, God, we have no food out here. We're going to starve. So he sends them manna from heaven. Imagine being there that day. You're starving in bread. These flakes of frost come to be able to just from nowhere to be able to feed you every single day. Wouldn't you be so excited? The people aren't. They complain. God, why didn't you give us meat, they say. What about uh, when Moses says he's going to go up on the mountain to be able to speak with God on behalf of the people, that God is going to send down his laws under his love for the people to be able to keep them safe, to be able to uh, monitor over them, to be able to withhold them in his mighty hand? He's gone for too long. And so what do they do? They start getting all their jewelry. They start melting it down. And they make a God for themselves. One that they can see. One that they could touch. One that they could smell and feel because God wasn't doing it for them. I think you, if you're anything like me, open up this book and say, how could these people do this? They, they saw God part the Red Sea they saw God in this pillar of fire, this, this cloud. They saw God deliver food and water out of nothing. They literally saw these miracles on a regular basis. How could these people not follow God? How could they keep complaining? But also, if you're anything like me, I bet if you opened up my story and your story, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, you'd see people that are just like those Israelites. We could said, Jeremy, couldn't you see God working right there? No, didn't you know that that was him in your life right there, that he's never going to leave you, that he's never going to forsake you? Why are you still grumbling? Why are you still doing the opposite of what he's called us to be able to do? We forget about that promise. We try to find success in so many other things in the world. And God says, I have success for you. I think all of us in here today would say, I would love that. I would love to be successful. Now remember, success in God's eyes may very well be different than what success in your eyes looks like. But this is the plan that he gives to the people of Israel, and it's a plan that he gives to the people of Desert Foothills at the exact same time. He wants us to be successful. Look at his words. Be strong and very courageous. This isn't the same verse that we just went over. He's reiterating this, and he puts that word very in there. I want my people to be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. He's talking about the Bible. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Successful wherever you go. I think all of us in here would want that. We would always want to be successful no matter where we're at. Back to the story of the Israelites. God wants them to be successful. What does this plan of success look like? Remember the people, they leave, uh, they're wandering, they're out in the desert, in the wilderness, on the way to the promised land. Let's do a little question and answer and see how we're doing with our biblical knowledge today. How many years are the Israelites out wandering in the desert? 
40, very good. Yeah, yeah, 40. 40 years they're out there wandering in, in the desert. They're out there trying to follow God and go to the promised land. Well, this is God leading them, right? This is his successful plan for them. So this must have been the most efficient way to be able to get to where they're going. This must have been the, the quickest way for them to be able to go where they're going. This must have been the easiest way for them to be able to find the promised land. After all, God is, is leading them. The truth is, when the Israelites left point A to get to point B of the promised land, it should have only taken them 11 days. An 11-day journey is how long it should have taken them. And it said they're out there wandering for 40 years. That's success, God? Wandering and using all that time for 40 years while all these people are, are grumbling, are causing more trouble for you, for Moses, for Joshua? Shouldn't you have just transported them there, God? It didn't even need to take 11 days, right? God is all-powerful. He can do anything he wants to. He could have taken those people from the very day one and just transported them right into the promised land. But he doesn't. He takes them on this journey that they may need to learn to, to grow, to be strengthened, to rely upon him in all things. I could say the same for us. God, wouldn't that be great? If you would just transport all of us to the promised land, just take us to heaven today. There's a whole lot of things I got to do this week that I don't need to do then, right, Lord? I can just get right there. Perfection, a place where there's no more tears, a place where there's only joy. Yeah, just take me there now. But that's not God's plan for success. God's plan for success is that we will continue walking through this life of going through those struggles, of going through that wandering, of going over each and every one of those hurdles so that we can rely upon him more and more. For this is how God grows our faith. This is what the plan of success looks like in his life. We continue on, and he says, here it is. You want success? I'm going to tell you exactly where it's found. This is the same truth for us today as it was for people hundreds of years ago. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Puts another word in there. It's not just successful anymore. Now you're going to be prosperous and successful. Who doesn't want to be prosperous? Again, remember though, prosperous in God's eyes may very well look different than what prosperous in our eyes looks like. There's a little really quick three-point plan in there for, for all of us. Let's break it down little by little in that verse. That first part, he says, is to keep it on your lips. He's talking about Scripture, talking about God's Word, that we should always be talking about it, that we should always be reciting it, that we should be speaking it here at church, that we should share it with our children, that we should share it with our grandchildren. When somebody around us is going through a tough time, I bet there's a piece of scripture that we can share with them. When somebody around us is celebrating something exciting in their life, I bet there's a piece of scripture that we can share with them. Are we always keeping God's word upon our lips? Not just talking about it, though. The next piece he brings up is meditate on it. 
God says, I want you to meditate on it, not just, not just talk about it. I want you really thinking about it. Uh, Pastor Mark and I went to a couple different life groups uh, this week to be able to sit and talk with people and to think about what this means for our church moving forward. But those life groups meet on a monthly basis really to talk about what does Scripture mean in our life, to be able to meditate upon it. This is something that should happen for us in our daily devotions. If you don't have a daily devotion that you normally do, there's a, a pile of the portals by prayer sitting in the back. Pick one up on your way out today. Really easy to be able to look at, to be able to go through. Take that time to meditate upon Scripture. Take that time to be able to be involved in study with your spouse or with a small group. Come to our men's group, guys, here on Thursday night and meditate upon it. When you hear that word, it's not this Eastern mysticism of being able to just release everything out of ourselves and be completely empty. It's the, it's the opposite. It's taking God's word and it's filling ourselves with it so that it's in us. It's a part of us. We are part of it. This living, walking, moving book that we can share with others. And finally, we come to that third point. Don't just talk about it. Don't just think about it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Almost all of us in here, I could probably say all of us, we know that Christ is our Savior. I feel that strongly. We know that the Bible is God's word, but do we do it? Remember the words that God gives to Joshua. He says, do all of it, right? He doesn't say choose this piece or this piece. He says, do all of it. It's probably the biggest hiccup with the Bible or with Scripture it's not that the Bible contradicts itself. It's that many times we find that the Bible contradicts the life we want to live. Let me say that one more time. The biggest problem for most people isn't that Scripture contradicts itself. It's that it contradicts the life we want to live. We want to be prosperous. We want to be successful. But that means doing it God's way. When J.J. read that gospel for us today, you've heard that miracle a million times. God's first miracle. Jesus uh, is there at that wedding in Cana. The people run out of wine. It's like the worst thing that could ever happen, right? And they take this time. Mary calls upon Jesus, and she says those words. She points at her son and says, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you, and everything comes to fruition. All right, let's go back to question and answer then again really quick. Did God need those servants to make that miracle happen at the wedding? Yes or no? No. He didn't need those servants. He allowed them to be a part of that. What about the story of Joshua? Or even before that, the story with Moses. Did God need Moses or Joshua to be able to get the people to the promised land? Yes or no? No. He doesn't need them. He could have transported them. We already talked about that. All right. Don't get tricked by this one. The last congregation service, we sure did. Think about this. Does God need you or me to share his gospel with the people of Scottsdale? Yes or no? No. 
he doesn't need us. Don't worry, the traditional service all got it wrong too. <laughs> he allows us to be a part of this, to have this great privilege. This is God's plan of success. And it sounds crazy. Why would you take people through 40 years through a wilderness to find success of a promised land? I don't know. Why would we be here on this earth for 80 or 90 or 100 years wandering around until we get to the promised land? It doesn't sound like a path of success. There's a reason, though. God doesn't need any of us, but he allows us to be a part of it. And it is a huge privilege. This is a huge gift that God gives to us. Because just like that father that goes out there and takes his child out in the middle of the wilderness to be able to set them down and to be able to wait, the father isn't doing any of those things for himself. Do you think that dad wants to sit out there in the cold all night being quiet while his son is blindfolded? No. Do you think that father wants to waste that time staying up all night so the next day he's tired and he still has to go do his work? No. Do you think that father wanted to sit out there on that stump, that hard seat, maybe getting a piece of wood stuck in his backside? No. But that's what he does, not for himself, but all for his children, all to be able to grow their faith. We have a God that did the exact same thing for us. God didn't have to come down from heaven and sit in a cold manger on that first Christmas morning, but he does it for his children. God didn't have to come down to this earth and for 30 plus years go through the wilderness just like us, all the pains that you experience, he goes through the exact same thing, but he does that for us. Jesus doesn't have to come down to this earth so that he can get stuck in the backside with a piece of wood and hung on the cross, but he does it for us. Remember God's plan of success, that he does all these things so that we can grow in faith. I hope you join us on this journey that will never end. It doesn't matter when we finally finish a building, when we finally hit a financial goal, it'll never end because our faith is always growing. And remember, that is what is most important to our Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity, again, to be here today, to hear your word and to be able to receive your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Uh, Lord, continue to challenge us and allow us just to know how great it is that you have selected each and every one of us to be a part of this plan to share your good news, your gospel with the people of Scottsdale and throughout the world so that we may leave a legacy for you. Lord, through all these journeys and through all this work, may, they, may there be more people in heaven on that final day because of what you have done through us. We thank you for being our Father and ask that we will continue to be able to be stretched by your Spirit and grown in our faith. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. <laughs>